Businesses tend to focus on revenue, profits, and getting loyal customers. But how about healthy workplace culture? You're listening to How I Turned the Corner, where Kendra Prospero leads eye-opening conversations that most business leaders avoid. The right way to address employee challenges. Listen to real-life stories of workplace struggles, giving you valuable advice on what must be done to make every employee truly satisfied and fulfilled in their job. This is for leaders who want to create great company cultures and for employees who want to do something to put an end to suffering at work in the most practical ways possible. Here's your host, Kendra. When building a business, there are many moving parts that make it successful. Often a founder, I find, starts their business to solve a problem. And that was certainly the case for our guest, Hayden Wadsworth, the CEO and co-founder of Hydrojug. He's an avid gym goer. And about five years ago, he noticed that other gym members had milk jugs, literally, for water. These jugs are not recyclable, they're not reusable, and they certainly lacked any kind of personality. So like all good entrepreneurs, he decided to fix this problem, make better jugs, which resulted in the creation of his company, Hydro Jug, based out of Utah. As he gained momentum, found ways to source and market his product, and started making money, he did what all of us founders have to do. He started hiring good people to join his team. We're here today to talk with him about the fits and starts he had with his team and how he turned the corner to create a company that is not only profitable, but it's also a great place to work. Hayden Wadsworth, welcome to How I Turned the Corner. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be on and to discuss more about culture and personnel. Yeah, excellent. Well, so tell us a little bit about Hydrojug. I gave a little bit of that intro, but tell us Mm -hmm. what started it and what it's about. It really started just from a passion of an active lifestyle and wanting to help others achieve their goals as far as hydration goes. And we definitely saw like a gap in the market, kind of like you touched on. So right now we're in our sixth year of business and it seems like every month the business changes and it's a little bit different. So it's been really fun to always be working on different projects and filling a bunch of different roles. It's a really exciting and difficult journey. So it's been a good five years. That's awesome. Yeah. It's such a roller coaster running a business. I think, I don't know if you felt this way or not, but I have have gone through these moments where I think like, is this going to get easier at some point? Mm -hmm. And as I realize is it's a roller coaster and you're always, 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 always on it, right? It's just how intense are the ups and the downs. So I guess I understand that you and your brother, your brother is your co-founder, the other co-founder. Is that true? Yep. You guys started it together and now you have another brother working with you. And so it's great working with family, but at what point did you actually start hiring strangers, people you didn't necessarily know that you were bringing onto the team? Yeah. So our first hire was actually one of my good friends from early, early in life. Like We went to the same elementary school and everything like that. And we've hired a lot of people that we went to high school with or we knew in the community. So first like stranger was probably in our third year of business. And that was... I mean, we had no idea like what we were doing. We didn't have like a formal interview process. We didn't have any idea on how to hire. I reached out to somebody on Upwork which is a lot like Fiverr. And they helped me come up with like an interview process. They reached out and like generated leads for me, stuff like that. So that was kind of our first outside like jump in. And I remember too, like it wasn't like an easy decision. I remember telling my brother and then Chris, who's 
the friend I mentioned, he does all of our paid advertising. I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about hiring someone for this position. They both looked at me like I was kind of crazy because I was almost spoiling what we had because it was, it was a small business. It was a couple of friends that went into work every day. It was very informal and we were used to it and kind of set in our ways and bringing someone in that we didn't know was a little bit scary. Anyway, that's when we made our first kind of outside hire. And how'd it go? Well, well, I think we learned a lot from the experience and we built on that experience that we gained from that. And it's a lot of work. Personnel is a ton of work. I wish I would have hired someone to oversee that a lot earlier in the business versus like I would say in 2021, that took up probably 50% of my time right. coming up with performance review processes and how do you make sure this person has a good experience? Like it's just super time consuming. So anyway, that was kind of our first experience. Totally. It is. It's very challenging because I think, I mean, I find myself switching constantly and I like in this juggling, but not juggling to drop a ball, but like literally juggling in that you don't spend one time or more time on one ball than another. And my three things I'm always thinking about are cash, how to find it, where to spend it, my products and my solutions. And are they good enough? Are they competitive enough? And then the third ball I'm always thinking about is my team. Are they happy? What do they need? What else do we need to be adding? How do I have that difficult conversation? Do you feel like you juggle those three things in the same way? Or do you feel like you focus on one more than the other? It really depends like kind of where we're at in the business. So like right now, I'm not as involved in the people and HR piece. I have a director in that position now. So I'm managing it from like a much higher level. I do think it is something that's always on your mind though, as a founder. It's like, hey, I need to make sure these people are happy and that they're performing at their highest level possible, right? Like they're not just coming in and going through the motions and checking the boxes. And to create that is super difficult. I just look at it. I kind of manage it from like a different perspective now, which is much better for me and my strengths as a founder. And sometimes like it's kind of ebbs and flows. Like sometimes I'm very involved in marketing and branding and what's going on there. And others, I'm more involved in product development and how that is moving. So it really depends on kind of what the project is and what's going on in the business, what gets the majority of my focus. So you mentioned earlier that you kind of wish you'd brought someone in to manage the personnel side earlier. We find that all the time as well, is that a lot of times people aren't thinking about the people, like the juggling of the balls, that the people part is missed. And one of the reasons I really wanted to chat with you is that you were a unique founder and that you actually did start off, it seemed, where you did care a lot about what people were experiencing. How has it changed though for you with adding in this HR person or this person who's in charge of the personnel? I'm assuming it's kind of an HR type role. Have you noticed a shift in culture and it hasn't been positive or like what's happened with that? Yeah. One of the things I would say, it's actually really interesting. So one of the positives that come from it is when a founder is involved in the day-to-day personnel things, like any sort of disciplinary action or changing a policy or anything that could be viewed as a negative light, for some reason, employees will link that to the business. They'll all of a sudden be like, the founder changed this. They view it as like a negative thing. And now all of a sudden, it's like, I also am mad at HydroJug or the business for this change. Versus when it's coming from like my HR director, it's not like they're upset with the business itself. It's like between two employees, right? Uh Like they view it. It's just like a 
perspective thing that I've seen. I don't know. It's a little less personal. It's like, this is the HR person. It's their job to handle these types of things. They're professionals at this. This is all they do versus like, this is the founder and like their business and they're doing this like negative thing to me. That's one of the things I think that has improved is like when we make changes, it's more like, Hey, this isn't anything like personal. Like we're not trying to take anything away from you. It's not like it's held against the business. So I think that has been good. One of the good things for us. Yeah, that's really cool. It's actually a great point in terms of like scaling culture. A founder Mm -hmm. can't scale culture. It has to be a team that's doing it. In this case, you bringing in somebody to really manage the personnel lets you scale even further because as you grow, you do have to change policies. You do have to become a little bit more buttoned up and dialed in on a couple of things. And sometimes that can be, I'll hear a lot of organizations say, oh, I don't want to become corporatized. I want to become like a corporation. And it's like, yeah, I know, but you also don't want to get fined by the government for some stupid decision that you made or yeah. you know lose people because you don't have the right career paths in place or a manager that's trained, right? I mean, those are good, positive things that you can do to create a great culture. So even if it is more corporate, right? I had the same things. Like I've gone through all those phases, I feel like where you don't want to even have a HR person because it's scary. I never wanted that. Like I want it to be very informal. But like as you grow and scale, you start to understand why larger corporations do things the way they do. And I think a big thing, this was actually a LinkedIn post. So I don't want to take the credit for this, but like it's really strange. And being a younger founder, I think I had this confused, especially in the beginning. The post said, like, a company with a great culture doesn't mean that you work less and get paid more, that you have like, quote, nice leaders who never give you feedback, everything being happy and good vibes only all the time. That's Mm -hmm. like what I wanted to build. I was like, that is like, and I don't know if it's a generational thing, it could be, but I was like, this seems like something that I was honestly trying to pursue. But a strong culture is when people can go through hard things together, trust each other and help one another to become better. And that's like what a strong culture is. It has nothing to do with working less or even remote work or having the catered lunches or having the perks. That doesn't show that a company cares about me. A company cares about me when they push me to be the best version of myself. Like we've been dealing a lot with, like obviously not so much now, but like the remote work piece. And now we're seeing a huge shift, a huge shift. And if we do have a little impact on the economy, as soon as companies see profitability decline, the first thing they're going to do is bring people back. They're going to bear down and say, we need everyone in house. We need productivity. We need this. We need to figure this out. Because I feel like public companies, at least as soon as they feel any pressure from that bottom line, they start changing things and they push. I just always like to hit on that. Like, hey, we want people to become their best. Like they come in the door at Hydrojug and they leave and they can use us on their resume. That means there's going to be disagreements. That means there's going to be some long hour days and some days that are just the normal eight hours. But anything you do in life that's difficult, those are the things that make you a better person. Yeah. So we kind of view that as the same way as far mm-hmm. as like culture goes. That's great. Yeah. I think a lot of people do think that good culture means easy. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that at all. It means that you're more of you're a community and you go through things together. And so yeah, yeah that makes a lot of sense. That's great. So what do you feel like have been some of your biggest challenges with your team? 
especially thinking about like some of those early days before you really did turn the corner? I think the very biggest challenge is if you're founding a business and you're going through growth is when you're hiring people, understand like your business is going to be better or it's going to be a different business in 12 months, right? So I would hire people and I'd be like, man, this person's doing so good. And this person needs to be rewarded. And you put them in, you move them up. And that person was really good at what they do for the size of the business where it was then. 12 months later, it changes. So just for context, we went from like a $12 million company to a $45 million company in 12 months. And even for me, I just have the luxury of being like the founder, but I feel underqualified, right? So I can't even imagine like I have someone in a role and they're really good at it and they're great at it for a $12 million business. But you get exposed when you're now a $45 million business. It's Mm -hmm. not the same. So I think keeping that in mind, like having a holistic view of that, like I need to be very careful and diligent of how I place people in the business and like really know like what their strengths and weaknesses are, especially if they're good employees. I think that's my mistake. Like I haven't ever done this before, but I feel like I did set some people up for failure because Mm -hmm. of that. So Mm -hmm. I think keeping a holistic view of like, hey, where is this business going? And can this person be an X position of a $45 million business. Right. Right. Well, and I think one thing that a lot of small businesses really forget is that you can have someone who's really great in their job, who you want to recognize, and then you promote them into a management role, but doesn't necessarily mean that they're skilled to be a manager. So I came from IBM where I was very well-trained leader because IBM like was so methodical with everything. When I came into the real world and founded my business, I started seeing that that wasn't normal, right? I had a really unique experience. And many of the people that were coming to us because they hated their job, hated their job because they just had a poorly trained manager. And so that's another really, I think, important thing that you kind of are saying is you want to promote people, but you also want to make sure that they really do have the skill to do that Mm -hmm. work. Because otherwise your culture starts to implode because they're not carrying the leadership bag the way that you want them to. 100%. I wish I had that IBM experience. I mean, you read a lot about IBM. I want to say they're in, what's it called? Built to Last. They talk a ton about Yeah, they do. Yeah. And Good to Great, both of those Jim Collins books. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a great experience. And I wish I had that. I don't. So I'm kind of learning from like the school of hard knocks, right? Like this is like what works and what doesn't. And another interesting piece to that, this is from Kim Scott is like, just because someone's great at a job doesn't mean they will be great or even enjoy being a manager. Right. You can promote people in other ways. And it's just like corporate America is kind of set up like that. Like, hey, to promote, to get raises and do everything, you have to be a manager. But it shouldn't be like that. It should mm-hmm. be like, hey, you can be an operator and I'll pay you great money to be an operator. Keep them there. So that's another, I think, thing I picked up is like, you really do. You have to make sure you understand people and what makes them tick and Uh, place them where they need to be. I will say that we've trained now thousands of managers. And one thing I've definitely learned over the years of doing this is that fundamentally, as long as you like people, (laughs) like that's the one thing you have to have. You got to like people because there are people out there that just don't really want to be around people. And that's fine. Those do not make good managers. As long as you like people, the rest of it can be trained, which is really a relief it is so overwhelming being a founder, being in a leadership role. If you don't really know what you're doing, it is a trainable skill though. So that to me is like, that's the hope 
for me. <laughs> our mission yep. is to end suffering in the workplace. And our mission maker is like getting managers trained. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think back to my, like the jobs that I didn't like, and they all stem from what was my manager like? And then how challenged was I? Like mm-hmm. if I was being challenged, I enjoyed it. Even though I was like, man, this is nice. Like I'm not super busy. I look back to that time in my life and I was like, man, even though I wasn't busy, like I was not happy. Uh-huh. Like that wasn't a great work experience for me. So uh-huh. yeah, we find that there's kind of three reasons why someone doesn't really enjoy. I mean, there's lots of reasons they don't love a job, but like if they're not working hard or they're not fired up about it, it's usually because the work is too hard. They just don't know what they're doing and they feel incompetent. The work is too mm-hmm. boring. And so they're just like, they're not all in on it or life is too hard. Like they're just so distracted that they can't mm-hmm. actually contribute as much as they want because they're just too stressed about what's happening in their life. But otherwise people do want to do a good job. I mean, they want to show up and they want to earn their paycheck. It doesn't feel good to go home at night and know that you kind of screwed around all day or you didn't give it your all. So yeah, I totally agree with you. Well, so tell me like when you think back on your younger CEO self on those early days of founding, like you always hear those questions. If you could go back in those days and you could give yourself the advice of what you know now, what would you tell your younger self about building a staff? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot that's kind of tough to think of the main thing that I would say just because there really is so much. But I think if I could go back, what I would do is I would identify key positions and I would hire really experienced people in those positions like that I needed to support me versus my background comes from like you do everything yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You don't pay for everything. You go and do it. Like my parents, they own their own businesses while I was growing up. And we didn't have snow removal services. Like we would go and like remove the snow, right. you know, cause they had three boys. I think we've just kept that. And going back, I definitely would have let go of the reins like a lot earlier and let people that are experienced and had done it and put them in key roles versus hiring more entry level because I was scared of big salaries. I think that's one thing I would have done for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. That makes sense. You kind of mentioned this earlier that you weren't the leader that you needed to be for a $45 million company when you were a $12 million company. That's actually Mm -hmm. one of my philosophies is that I'm not the leader I need to be a year from now, but I will Mm -hmm. work to grow. And so what do you do for yourself to continue to invest in yourself, to grow in your leadership? Uh, I mean, a big piece of it is just self-awareness, which is it's super uncomfortable, right? When you're always kind of exposing your vulnerabilities and knowing what they are. I think this is another... like. Knowing what you don't know is super important and then addressing those things. So like, I'll try to network a lot and really talk to as many people as I can that have gone through it and learn from them. I'm trying to learn from them. I try to read a lot of books. I'll take CEO coachings, stuff like that to always just be trying to improve. And it does like it gets tiring and you wonder if it's worth it and you get worn out. And like, there's days like that. But I think if you're always like just on it, like, I'm always trying to get better, sharpen my axe. I think that's what does it for me is just is staying very self-aware and always like looking to improve. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I started really noticing for myself that I would have sort of this, call it head trash. I had this just Mm -hmm. like sort of ongoing dialogue around things I didn't feel like I was doing good enough. And it was really holding me back, but I just couldn't get that voice to quiet down. Every year, pretty much since I opened up my business, I've had a coach or I've gotten some kind of support. 
But this particular year, I actually hired like a professional, like business coach who deals with mindset issues. And it really helped me a lot. And all that head trash kind of just started to sort of quiet down. And I mean, it's always there, right? But mm-hmm. <laughs> on some level, especially when you hit challenges, but with that in mind, like, what do you have? Like, what keeps you up at night that is relative to the business, not just dogs and kids and the things that yeah. actually wake us up, right? <laughs> yeah. I think this is kind of like what we touched on earlier. It seems like it's always something a little bit different, like during holiday times for e-commerce, like those are always stressful. So during those times, I'm always thinking about like sales goals and marketing campaigns and timelines and just really wound tight about that. I think right now, though, like a big piece of mine is just financials. So like I'm constantly trying to figure out how to manage a larger business and like how do we continue to grow and open new channels and why aren't those growing at the speed that we think they should and how can we do better and who do we need to partner with just all of those things that have to do with growth and then managing a business from a set of financials it's just different before it was like hey yeah like i think this will work let's let's throw money at this it was managed completely different like it's just much different way of managing yeah for sure so how many people do you have working for you now we do all of our fulfillment and like warehousing in house. So I think we float between like 30 and 40 people there. And then we will have over 30 in the office. So it's between 60 and 70. Okay. That's great. Perfect size. So how do you kind of ensure that people are going to stay with you? Or what's your philosophy actually, even on tenure? We all have a different perspective on just employee tenure. I tried to create a place like what we talked about before. I want people's work to be fulfilling. I want them to feel like they have a say. I want them making decisions. And I guess that is one thing I left out. Like I think about it a lot. Like, is this getting done? So many of our employees are new employees. I've been doing this for five years and I still will forget stuff or overlook things. And I'm like, a lot of these people have been doing this for under a year and they have pretty big responsibility. It's like, man, I'm kind of nervous if I dug in here, like, what am I going to dig up? I think for the most part, it's good and we have a really good team. But that is definitely something that is on my mind is how people are performing and just enjoying their jobs. Like if they have good enough direction or if they feel fulfilled, like those are the questions that come up. I think when you have a bigger staff, as far as retention goes, just having the right benefits in place too, like put makes a big difference. So having health insurance and a 401k, like mm-hmm. different vesting options, stuff like that. What's one of your more creative benefits? Like every company has like that thing they do that nobody else really does. Do you have one of those? We have different stuff here. I mean, I don't know how creative it is. Like on Mondays for like an hour at the end of the day, they go into the conference room and they'll like watch The Office and they'll have their laptops and they'll watch, I think, two episodes of The Office. And we do yoga on Tuesday evenings. So yeah, we've done different things. We used to do group workouts because we have a gym in our warehouse. Right. We have pickleball courts. So we've done like pickleball stuff. We do summer barbecues. Every other Thursday, we do catered lunches. I don't know how creative they are, but we do. We definitely mm-hmm. invest in that type of stuff. Those are great. I love all of those. Those are fun. I said it before, but I kind of went by it fast. I used to think of... Well, you'll see, you'll hear people describe their business as like it's like a family and And I'm always like, it's not really like a family because you don't fire your family, right? But you feel close to people. And so they feel like they're really important. But really what it is, is it's a community. 
And I never thought yeah. of business as a community before. We're based out of Colorado. And a couple of months ago, we had that awful fire that basically tore through a suburban neighborhood and burned a bunch of houses to the ground. It was just awful. And I couldn't believe how many people I knew that lost their home and then how people inside my circle and just even like one or two levels outside of my circle were helping each other because they knew each other through turning the corner through my business. And I was like, gosh, that's community. We may not all work together anymore, but we still support each other. And I think that's what you're doing with people coming together Monday afternoons and the yoga and the barbecues is you're creating an environment where people feel connected. They feel like they matter to each other and they can care for each other. I think that's great. For sure. Yeah. I think it's super important. We kind of touched on like those things are super important to do. And some people love them and go to all of them. And some people don't go. Like I remember working at some jobs and they would do it. And I'd be like, I have work to do. Like I can't go and do this. It's going to put me behind. And plus being an introvert, like it's not really my thing to go out and like be super social or anything like that. I think too, though, there's always like the community aspect. Like the thing that really brings people together are those difficult times. That is what creates like community and really builds those like good relationships. When I have an employee that feels so comfortable that they can tell me that I did like a poor job or they disagree with me, like I know I have like a good community Mm -hmm. at that point. And I have that relationship with a lot of the people I work with. I think there's both. You want to have those times, those opportunities where you can bond and talk about things other than work and do team lunches and talk to different teams, people you don't always work with. Like, Super important. That's like one piece to the puzzle. And then the other piece is when the going gets stuff, like who's going to support who and really show that they care. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Well, that's wonderful. Well, sometimes people ask me questions for this podcast. Like, is there anything that's just like one of those burning things where you're like, I would love some advice on this particular area? As far as like culture goes and yeah. hiring, I don't know. I have to think of something on the spot because I know I have questions. I just don't have them in front of me. But I don't have anything off the top of my head. That's fine. No problem. Well, it's so wonderful to connect with you a little bit, Hayden. So I really appreciate your time. Is there any final words you'd like to leave with our listeners in terms of building a culture and where you turn the corner? I think the main thing is always be transparent and very truthful with how you communicate with your teammates. Don't go down like the office politics and worrying about like hurting someone's feelings, like people need to know like how you feel and like what you need them to do. So I think the radical candor piece is super important. I think that's the kind of the cherry on top. Excellent. Well, I really appreciate this discussion with you today. I also really want to commend you for your self-awareness. It takes a really strong person to be able to take the time to be aware like you are. I hear that through this whole conversation. I think it's just fantastic. And I also love what you've done with your business. And I just see this really getting bigger and bigger for you. So thank you for your time. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you for joining How I Turned the Corner. I'm Kendra Prospero, and I will check you on the next episode. Thanks so much, everybody. Thank you for joining this exciting episode. We hope this discussion brings you closer to a better, healthier, and more rewarding workplace everyone deserves to be a part of. If you want more content like this, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at turningthecornerllc.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to share this with your friends in the corporate world. And together, let's make this space a hub of growth and job satisfaction. If everyone loves where they are, they can always give their best without regrets. That's all for now. 
see you on the next one.